Hi everyone and welcome to the PERMA podcast. Um, really great to be with you all again today. Um, I'm delighted to welcome a new guest today, a guy who's not been on before, um, a friend of mine, um, great writer um, and author, just released his first book. Um, his name is Aaron Smith and uh, yeah, welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Hi, James. Yeah, great, great to be on. I'm, I'm really glad. I enjoy what you do and it's good to sit down and talk with you. Yeah, yeah. I've been following Aaron's um, writing for a few years now. Um, Aaron writes about um, pretty much the intersection between um, Christianity and mental illness. And um, he's got a really powerful story to share. He's just written his first book, uh, which is called Cultural Savage. Um, and it's about the intersection between Christianity and mental illness. And it's an amazing book. Um, and we're going to talk a bit about it today. So... Yeah, tell us a bit about your story and kind of, um, you know, where you're coming from with the work that you're doing and, like, your background. Sure, sure. Um, well, I was born in Utah um, in in the States, and I um, went to church my whole life, grew up in the pews, grew up uh, listening to sermons when I hit about 18 um, I started working with a youth group, and I started doing teaching. Um, that led to preaching. Um, then I did some worship leading. So I've been in the church uh, at that point up until I was about 24, 25. Um, I got really burnt out, so I kind of took a step back from some stuff um, and uh, got hurt in some ways. Um, and then when I was 28, after I moved to Oregon, I got diagnosed with bipolar, um, bipolar 2 to be specific. It just means that my manic episodes, when I'm up really high, they don't last as long. Uh, that's what makes the difference between bipolar 1 and bipolar 2. Uh-huh. So I was bipolar 2, um, and it really made sense of my life at that point. It made sense of some of the crazy stuff that I'd done. It made sense of some of the feelings I had, the, really the depression that I experienced, mm. um, suicidal thoughts, um, uh, just feeling down. And the thing is, when I felt down before I was diagnosed, I always related it to a spiritual thing. I always related it to either I was far from God or there was some sort of sin in my life or something like that. And so it really led to some um, some really hurtful theology and some really hurtful times in my life. Mm. Um, and nobody really thought to look at my behavior and say, hey, why don't you try some therapy? Why don't you try some counseling? You know, and, and nobody pointed me in that direction for a number of reasons. One, some people don't believe that secular counseling is good for Christians. Um, two, people might not have known about the resource of counseling and that I needed it because um, I looked – I was preaching and teaching, so I must have my shit together. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, people thinking that. And the other thing is people being scared of psychology. Uh, simply put, they, they treat – mental illness and problems with depression, problems with uh, schizoaffective disorder, uh, problems with all sorts of stuff. They treat it as a spiritual condition. So it's something that can be fixed with prayer and faith. Mm. And you don't need any psychology. You don't need any psychiatry. Um, You definitely Mm. don't need medicine for it. Um, 
so nobody really pointed me in that direction until I was 28. Um, then I started um, the long journey of figuring out how to manage my bipolar, um, mm-hmm. how to um, go to therapy every week and open up about stuff and talk about it. Um, at first talking about managing my condition and then talking about some of the hurt that I experienced uh, in church and from family, things like that. Yeah. Um, the other the other piece was going to a psychiatrist and starting the process of learning how to um, make make the medicine work for me um, of how to of getting on the right medicine is, is was sort of the big thing um, without too many side effects without trying to go through too many things so I'm on my meds now. I'm really stable, which is good. It's been about 10 years since I was diagnosed. Um, I have two kids, so I'm learning how to parent while I have mental illness, which is a challenge sometimes. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's it's good. It's 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 life, and life happens, and we sort of keep going, um, just like with anything. So it just kind of depends on uh, your circumstance and situation. And my son is just sitting on my lap, so one second here. <laughs> um, it just depends on your circumstance and situation. My circumstance and situation happens to be mental illness. So I live with that. That's kind of my story in a nutshell and um, what I live with, like I said. Yeah. And what – yeah, it's just there's so much in there um, that we can go into. Um, sure. And yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I have nothing like what you've been diagnosed with at all. But um, I've lived with, you know, anxiety, you know, severe anxiety, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I've had depressive episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'm a highly sensitive person, so I. I have a kind of empathy with what you've experienced, and I understand the stigma that's around it. Like, and mm-hmm. it's just it's just so shocking that Christians still kind of are so, especially Christians, and you know, it's not just Christians that have stigma about mental illness, but but it's especially Christians who you think will be more understanding and more compassionate have such a stigma around this subject you know it's it's really true and i think a lot of it is bad teaching um i i wrote an article or an essay on my blog um about the bible and mental illness Mm. and what i was basically hinting at was the bible doesn't talk about mental illness it never mentions conditions i mean people will say that that sometimes the demon possession was actually mental illness and they didn't know what it was. Or they'll point to the story of Elijah and how he was depressed for days. And you can look at characters and say, like in the Psalms, you can say maybe they were, maybe they weren't, maybe it was just a hard time, maybe they were overly expressive, maybe they had a mental illness. We don't know was the point. But the Bible never addresses mental illness. And so to Mm. think that we as Christians are going to go to the Bible for all of our answers, including the stuff that it doesn't talk about, mm. is a real problem. Yeah. So 
people want to solve mental illness with the Bible, mm. and it doesn't work. Yeah. There's nothing in there about mental illness. There's nothing in there about anxiety, about depression, nothing in there about bipolar, nothing in there about schizoaffective, nothing in there about um, uh, borderline personality disorder. You know, all, all any any of the mood disorders or the depressions or I mean any of that stuff. It's just not in there. It doesn't address it. And mm. that's okay. Yeah. Just yeah. like it doesn't necessarily address physics, it doesn't necessarily address chemistry, it doesn't address some of the science that we've learned over the years. And this is medicine, medical science, that has yeah. developed over the years that we're still learning about with the brain, how it functions, how it's related to trauma, how it's related to genetics, things like that. And we refuse yeah. to believe that it's something real because we can't see it so yeah. that's a lot of it they, and they figure if you can't see it if it's emotions it has to do with the spirit and if it has to do with the spirit then it's a spiritual problem yeah but that's just not true because you can't see the brain yeah. there was a gentleman in um a gentleman in our church who had a brain tumor right and you couldn't see it but it was real. Yeah. And and it was the same thing of you can't see what's going on in my brain. Yeah. But it's real. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean I have I have I have epilepsy. Right? Mm. Nobody can see that happening in my brain. But it's there all the time. You know. Mm -hmm. All they can see, all they see is the is the physical outworking of it when I have a seizure, when I have convulsions and all of that. But that's not what's going on. That's not what's going on in my brain. They can't see it, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, there's a lot of evidence that um, uh, epilepsy is linked to um, being on the autistic spectrum. Um, oh, really? Which I, which, I, which I may be. Um, yeah, there's actually there's links between... Asperger's and epilepsy. There's a form of epilepsy, I think, which goes alongside kind of um, epilepsy. Um, which, sorry, which goes alongside um, um, autism spectrum disorder, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, doctors are talking to, talking to me about whether I might be on that spectrum at the moment. So, um, again, it's all in your brain, and people can't actually see what's going on. And it wouldn't they wouldn't have known two thousand years ago anything about it they would have diagnosed it as something else like epilepsy a hundred years ago even a hundred years ago people thought it was some kind of demon and you get sent mm -hmm. to a mental institution you know a hundred years ago I'd be in a mental institution you know? right and um, it's just a lack of it's just a lack of knowledge and a lack of and so the people so people attribute these things to other things and actually there's now, now there's medical evidence to, to, that we know what's going on you know, and it's the same with men. Exactly. Parents, you know, and like Christians need to get up with it. <laughs> yeah, and it, it it is difficult because Christians do tend to over spiritualize things. Yeah. Um, I know because I mean I grew up in the charismatic church, mm -hmm. which is really about um, signs and wonders and miracles and all of these things. So. 
I understand over spiritualizing things, you know, thinking there's a demon around the corner that that Satan's out to get you, that everything is some sort of um, demonic agenda, and you know the the angels and demons are fighting all the time over us and things like that. When your worldview is that, you're gonna take anything invisible and turn it into a spiritual issue. I mean, there's people even now, a friend of mine was told recently that, um, it's hard for me to say, that, 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 that cancer is caused by demons, and if she had enough faith, her daughter, who died of brain cancer, if the mother had had enough faith, the daughter wouldn't have died. And when she told me that, it blew me away that people are still saying that about diseases. They're saying that about medical conditions. And it breaks my heart to hear that. I can't believe you know? people still say that kind of thing. That is, oh, If someone said that about my sister, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd be responsible for my actions. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I I can probably say that with quite a lot of confidence. You know, I probably want to beat them to kingdom come. <laughs> um, no, I mean I like, understand, and like, it, it makes know, me angry and sad and and yeah. everything when people say this. Because um, and the thing is, if they do that about about physical ailments, mm. even more so about mental conditions, because. Again, they can't see it, and it must be a problem since it affects your emotions and your thoughts. Then it must be a spiritual problem, nothing physical. And mm. I, it just kills me. It, it just kills me that the whole mm. thing of like, yeah. like mental illness is not a spiritual condition. Agreed. Jesus didn't come to. Jesus did a lot of good things. He healed people, if you believe in miracles or just stories. The, the, the narrative goes that he healed people, that he did things. And we can appreciate that, but there's no place in Scripture where Jesus says, I'm going to heal everybody of everything. No. So yeah, why, yeah. just like just like when you have the flu, you want to go to the doctor and get medicine. Just like when you have uh, people that have diabetes, they have a lifelong condition that they need medicine for. I have a lifelong condition that I need medicine for. It just happens to be invisible, so you can't see it. Yeah. And yeah. just because Jesus doesn't heal me of that doesn't mean that I'm lacking faith. It doesn't mean that I've got some sin in my life or whatever bullshit you want to say about it. It just yeah, that's, that's it just word kills word. me. And that's why I started writing about this stuff. I started writing about it on my blog because I, I, I wanted to face it head on. There's, there's so much stigma just in society about mental illness anyways. People are like, mm. oh, it's not real. It's just all made up. You're just a weak person. Or on the other side, they're like, oh, that's going to turn you into a violent person because there's bipolar rage that's associated with it. Mm. Um, or that you're going to be a dangerous person or that you're somehow incompetent or you're whatever, insert thought pattern. It, there's so much of that in society. And then you get to the church and it's just like, it's like magnified and like narrowed mm. down and like yeah. compressed into this 
into this way of thinking that does absolutely no good for anyone at all, whether they have mental illness or not, because it ostracizes people and shoves them to the corner saying, you're not good enough, you are not well enough, you are not spiritual enough to handle these things. Yeah, it does. And it's awful. I, You know, I don't have any answers. You know, I, I wish I did. But that's okay. Here's the thing. Yeah. The good news is that we don't need answers. Medical science is still doing what it's doing, and we can rely on that at at some level. But we don't need to have the answers to have compassion. Absolutely right. I love that. We don't need to have the answers to have compassion. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, if you're a Christian, if you're trying to follow Jesus, Jesus was compassionate to Everyone, even his enemies, you know, mm-hmm. um, and he didn't heal everyone. If you look in the Bible, like there were mm-hmm. crowds of people all wanting him to heal him, all wanting him to heal them, and he didn't heal them. He just walked on because he was he he couldn't heal everybody. Not even Jesus could be everywhere at once and heal everybody, you know. Right. And yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just it's just so bad the stigma that's, that's out there, and not just in the church, but in like in culture as well. Oh, um, it totally is. I mean, I, I also it, I also you know? have an anxiety disorder, yeah. um, so I, I feel for you on that. Um, but the anxiety disorder specifically, well, my depression as well, but lately it's been more my anxiety disorder has gotten me fired from jobs because I'm not able to go. And when you miss a certain amount of days, the attendance policy says yeah. you know you have to be let go. So it's not directly because I have a mental illness, but. It still is because of that, and I can't really talk about it at work because there's so much stigma around it. So I can't necessarily explain to my boss, hey, I have an anxiety disorder and I'm getting panic attacks before I come to work, or I'm really depressed, I can barely get out of bed to to get some food, I'm having a really hard time here, what do I do, I, I don't know how I'm going to work. You can't really explain that stuff to them because then they might think of you as the weak link in, in, in your work chain. They might think of you as more incompetent. They they might just laugh it off and be like, well, that's not real. Just suck it up and work. Or they might not care and be like, I don't care about your personal life. You know? And so mm. there's, there's yeah. so many ways – my mental illnesses affect every area of my life. Yeah. There's there's no place where it doesn't. I mean, it's my brain. It's yeah. how I think. It's yeah. what I do. It affects every area of my life. But every area of my life is also ends up being stigmatized because of that. Mm. I get shamed because of it. Yeah, yeah. I've had to ask for help online with my bills and with rent and things like that because my mental illness prevents me from working sometimes, things like that. And people have shamed me, like, why can't you just go to work? I get anxious too, but I go ahead and go to work. And I'm not saying that – I'm not saying they're wrong that they can do that, but I can't. That's my disorder. That's what I'm living with. Yeah. 
And I shouldn't yeah. be shamed because of it, because I'm yeah. trying to do what I need to do for me and my kids. Yeah. I shouldn't be shamed, but I am. Yeah, that's one of the worst things that happens um, with people who are, you know, like you and, and me, actually, uh, with who have mental illness. It's mm-hmm. you feel you feel like everyone else is shaming you and making you feel guilty for being who you are. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if being highly sensitive is classed as a mental illness, but certainly it's it's a it's a category of it's it's a condition in a sense of um, mm-hmm. how your brain works, you know. Uh, oh, absolutely. And but but people don't understand that, and they think you're being a drama queen or, or wanting to be centre of attention or or you know making a fuss over nothing or like you know you know just like calm down, stop taking things so seriously. You know, mm-hmm. and, they don't, and that's, that's 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 ignorance because when you're highly sensitive, it's not that you don't find things funny that they're saying; it's that there's a part of you that just that gets upset really easily. Like you brew, like I say, like your soul bruises easily. You know, like mm-hmm. um, and whether you like it or not, you know, you might be laughing at a joke somebody's somebody's saying, but inside you're going nuts because you feel violated. Part of you feels violated, and people don't understand that. Um, mm. There's just so much ignorance out there, and yeah, we need to. Do there that. is, and and, there, and there's so much lack of compassion, as I said. Ender's at school. Go watch your show. Sorry, my boy. Um, there, there's just such a lack of compassion with things inside and outside of the church. Just instead of thinking about somebody's condition and what they're going through. People end up thinking about how they can, in America especially, I don't know how it is over there, but in America especially, how they can pull themselves up by their bootstraps and make everything work for themselves instead of instead of relying on welfare, instead of relying on friends and family, instead of whatever they need to do to survive. You gotta you gotta solve your own problems. You gotta handle your own shit. You gotta do all of this stuff for yourself. And there's no compassion that says, wow, you're really struggling. Wow, you're going through something difficult. Wow, you have a condition that makes things hard. Mm. There's none of that. And it wow. it, it breaks my heart that, that society doesn't have that, even more so that it's, that it's rare in the church. It's just, I don't know, I, I don't know how to get people to care. Yeah. And that's the big thing. Yeah. Like, if I could get people to care, I feel like stuff would change. Yeah. And it's weird, isn't it? Because you shouldn't have to convince Christians to care. Or any decent mm-hmm. human being, to be honest. You yeah, You shouldn't have to convince totally. people to care. If someone's suicidal, if someone's anxiety is crippling them, you know, if they're having panic attacks, that's not... The only thing, the only decent response is compassion. You know, I mean, like, it just baffles me that people don't respond that way to to those kind of things. Because to me, it's a perfectly natural response. I mean, my experience over here has been pretty good. I, the church I just left, um, the pastor has, has um, uh, you know, had, um, like... Um, crashed, had a had a nervous breakdown. You know, mm. um, his daughter's autistic. One of his daughters is autistic. So it's like 
mental illness is like a, is like accepted in our church. You know, it's there's no That's stigma. That's good to hear. There's no well, no, it's not my church anymore. Um, but there's there's no stigma in that in my old church about mental illness at all. Like, and I was able to just be me there without any stigma, and so was the pastor's daughter and the pastor was able to talk about his story without any kind of stigma and that was a really mm. that's a really good thing but i also know that's that's not always the case even here but my new church again is really accepting really inclusive understanding compassionate you know it's what church should be you know with these things. that that's great to hear i i am jealous uh, um <laughs> you yeah, actually my my old church i've just left you probably yeah you probably love it there because it's you you'd be accepted and supported and you know um yeah i mean i, I don't want to make it more difficult by saying how good how good my experience <laughs> has been you know but um it did it gave me hope as well like because i don't know what it's like in the rest of the uk i mean i'm not but i, I do know that we've got there's a lot more awareness of mental illness here now and, and it's been recognised in like government policy and stuff, and um, mm. and like at work, there's more support for people with mental illness as well. There's like wow. policies in uh, policies in place, like there's laws in place which where people have to provide that provide support. Um, so yeah, I mean we're making progress here, but um, I guess we've always kind of been a bit more of a secular culture here so I suppose that that might be why you know um, it, it could be um, I think part of it is just the nature of societies being different yeah. and the nature of um, like we're really capitalistic over here yeah. um, you know everybody's out for themselves and, and trying to make the American dream work of getting getting self wealthy and whatnot. Um, and because of that, because we are so capitalistic, compassion isn't built into the system. In fact, I mean, there's something now where, um, I'm not sure if it's passed yet or not, but with insurance companies, they can deny people coverage like if you're coming on to a new insurance company, you can be denied coverage for a pre-existing condition, including mental mm. illness. Yeah, I heard. So I've this. been diagnosed, yeah. and I, if I lose the insurance that I have, I may not be able to get other insurance, and I can't afford my medicine because we live in a society where it's trying to get as much profit as possible. So. My medicine is really expensive. I have one medicine that is as much as my rent. So it's um, it's not it, – it's terrifying to me to lose insurance because I don't know how I could function without my meds. Um, they're, they're what keep me stable. And I mean that plus therapy, you know, but, but you take away either one of those parts and I'm not going to be stable. And without being stable, especially with bipolar, when, when you're unstable, your moods fluctuate from depression to mania back. And mania can be really dangerous because you feel good, but you have really poor judgment. So you end up spending all your money, money you don't have. You end up making um, poor relationship choices. Um, 
all sorts of things because you feel so good and nothing can touch you. And then you have to deal with the after effects of it when you're depressed. And it's a big mess. And so I want to stay stable. I want to stay as stable as I can. And I'm terrified of what happens with our government when it comes to health care, simply because people need health care. People need insurance because the way our healthcare system is set up, without insurance, you're screwed. Mm, yeah. So people need insurance, and if they can't get insurance because of a pre-existing condition, how are they supposed to stay well? So again, this goes back into the area of compassion for people that have d- chronic diseases, compassion for people that need help, that have a situation. Mm. So it goes back in it goes back to what we were talking about. Just where's the compassion? Where is the the care for people for for those who are weak, for those who are poor, for those who are outcast, for those who are broken? Where is the care for them instead of sweeping them off to the side and saying, "Well, you better fix it yourself." Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. I mean, I, I can't Yeah, I'm beginning to realize how lucky I am to be in the UK you know we because we have National Health Service which is basically you know free prescriptions pretty much unless it's really expensive drugs and even then there's prescription charges but it's nothing like people have to pay in the States Um, and it's just like um, it's paid for out of our it just gets paid for out of our taxes you know Um, Mm -hmm. and we're so lucky over here. Um, yeah, and but we, it's, it's about... It's, it's like we need to be more compassionate as a culture, you know, mm-hmm. um, and not just the church, but as culture, both in the States and, and over here. We need to have... And people... I, I, one of the things that, that gets me is that people... The information is all out there, you know? People want to find out about mental illness now. Like, there's loads of information on the internet. Like, mm-hmm. and, if, like, people could go and do, even though they just look on Wikipedia, you know, you could just go and do a bit of research and find out a bit about mental illness and find out, hear some stories. Um, and it doesn't mm-hmm. take long, and it wouldn't cost anything. And I think, I think all of us need to, I think people who are outside of this and don't understand need to do some start doing some research and hearing some stories because you know, I agree. It's, it's just like and this is why your book is so important because your book is your story and your experiences of this and it's real um, I was going to I sent you earlier like, off you know off, off mic that like your book is so raw and it's so like it gets down to the nitty gritty of things it doesn't sugarcoat anything you know and that's really really important it's a very courageous um, thing to share this book and share this story as well I've got to say mm, thank you um, you know um, I want to recommend this book to everyone by the way it's on Amazon right now uh, you can get it paperback and Kindle I think um, yeah go buy this book because it's it's, it, it's it's such an important book and it needs a big audience you know we, this needs to go out to a lot of people people need to read this important people need to read this book because you know we need change um, that's what but uh, yeah I mean that's why it's so important that this book is so important because we need stories like this out there in the public domain 
that people can read and understand and say this is actually really happening with people um, something I, I agree um, there, there's there's more and more stories being told both by celebrities um, and by um, and by normal people since the internet's such a big platform now mm. there's more and more stories being told and I think the stories are breeding compassion in people um, and I hope that's what my book can do, um, is help people see the reality of living with mental illness, the reality of where it clashes with church and they crash into each other, um, the reality of maybe how to do things a little bit different instead yeah. of beating our heads against the wall and doing the same thing over and over and over. Um so I really, I really hope my book can foster the conversation and, like I said, sort of breed compassion, help with that. Um, because all I can do is tell my stories the, tr- the, the, the truest I can mm-hmm. and the straightest way I can. And that's what I try to do because my life isn't sugar-coated, so I don't really have a way of mm. making stuff sound nice. Like when I'm in a depressive episode, when I have suicidal thoughts um, – it's not pretty. I don't know how to make that look pretty if I'm going to write about it. Yeah. Like, it's just an ugly thing. And and so ugly things, you got to write about them in dirty ways. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely agree. That's why this book is so great, because it it's just so, so true. You know, um, um, what is, I mean, how is your experience with mental illness and mental illness how the church deals with mental illness how is how has that impacted your relationship with god oh man um you ask the easy questions um <laughs> let's see it's um well god and i have a complex relationship Um, And part of that's because of my history with the church and how I've been hurt by the church. But the other part is because I don't understand how God's supposed to be loving and sovereign. But things get really dirty and and shitty down here. Mm. And he doesn't seem to intervene. And when I look at my life specifically how mental illness has affected things and it's like why don't you intervene why am i still suffering why is this so damn hard Mm. i've come to believe that i don't know about sovereignty and i don't know about god fixing everything or all powerful or whatever i do know that god sits with us in suffering that's the one thing that i know Jesus stayed on the cross suffering what he needed to suffer for us being being beaten and 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 killed by Rome because for whatever reasons he, there's a, there's a multitude of them but he knows what suffering is and he stays with us in suffering so when i'm having these hard days and these these rough times and when i'm having when I'm feeling overwhelmed by this, um, it's not much comfort sometimes. Other times it's more comfort. Um, but I can believe that Jesus is with me in it. Mm. That's about as good as I can get, though. 
Um, because yeah. I don't understand why, like, like depression sucks. Like it is, it is not something I wish on anyone. A depressive episode is life threatening. It yeah. is dangerous. Yeah. It 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 affects every aspect of your life. Um, I don't wish it on anyone. So I don't know why God would allow it to happen to us who experience that. Yeah. And it makes me angry and it makes me confused and it makes me sometimes just want to walk away. Yeah. So yeah, mental illness, the church, all of that, it, it it's a really complex relationship that I have both with church and with God um, just because life isn't easy mm. you know I'd like to be able to say like like I, I wrote about this in, in, in an essay um, I'm supposed to be able to say that Jesus takes care of me and that Jesus makes me feel better mm. but if I said that I would be lying mm. because sometimes Jesus isn't a comfort for me I can believe he sits in with me in suffering, but the truth is I'm still suffering. Yeah. And mm. luckily, luckily, the one good thing is that I don't relate my mental condition to my spirituality anymore. So I don't feel like I've sinned mm. against God and that's why I'm down or there's something between God and I or he's far away from me. And I don't feel when I'm manic that I'm on top of the world and and God has blessed me and I'm and I, and I'm called and I'm chosen and and I'm with God and everything's fantastic. I don't believe that stuff anymore. It's not tied to my spirituality, which is good because that allows me to have a healthy spirituality mm. that's not determined by my mood, that's not determined by my mental state. Um, yeah. It makes me question where this stuff fits into life and fits into faith, if it does at all. Yeah. But it's just, it's a lot better than it used to be, because I used to beat myself up all the time, especially when I was depressed. I'd beat myself up of, why can't I just get it right? Why can't I keep that feeling of the mountaintop experience? Uh, why can't I experience that all the time? What's wrong with me? And I just beat myself up and beat myself up and beat myself up. And I had no self-compassion even now I do now I've learned how to how to be compassionate with myself and how to say you're having a hard time and this must be a difficult thing and to talk to myself as if I was a good friend mm, and that matters good. that that's that's a mm. good thing that yeah. I've learned how to do mm, that is a really good I, thing I wish I'd learned it from church or from God <laughs> yeah yeah, do you think? But I've would, still learned yeah. it, you know. Yeah, that's no, good that you've learned that. That's a really important thing. Um, that's something I'm trying to learn as well. It's, it's really, really important. Um, yeah, if you if you want more information about self compassion, look up the work of Christine Neff. Um, she's a, a scientist who's been studying self-compassion, and she's got some videos on YouTube and a website. Um, but Christy Neff is sort of the guru of self-compassion, and she has some brilliant things to say about it. That's awesome. Good recommendation. I'll, I'll be checking that out. Um, I'd recommend everyone else check those out as well. That sounds pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
The other thing I wanted to ask was how is like writing, like writing your blog, writing the book, um, putting to, putting the book together. How has that how has that helped your helped with your mental illness? How has that impacted your mental illness? Is that um actually writing about this right now um after my book launch I'm feeling really depressed and I I know that seems counterintuitive because I just launched a book and I should be excited Mm. and I I am excited about it like it's in the it's in stores it's it's in Amazon I'm thrilled this is something I've wanted like my whole life I am I am absolutely thrilled but I'm also depressed because my friend Sean Smucker puts it this way. A book will never do, will never be able to do what you want it to do for you. Meaning that that self-validation that I want from putting out a book mm. and from having people talk about it and from doing this and doing that – that self-validation is really hollow and really empty mm. because a book is just a book. Yeah. So I was feeling this depression because I was expecting a little bit more like people talking about it more or people sharing it more or X, Y, Z, insert whatever. And I'm not getting that. People are like my friends are talking about it and, and it's growing and, and I don't I don't want to make it sound like it's just dust in the wind because it's not. But at the same time, it's not giving me a sense of self-worth that I think I was expecting. Yeah. So I, I, it's impacting it's impacting my mental illness because it's making me depressed, but it's also making me face the fact that I need to give myself value. Yeah. Not not some external people or external mm. thing or some project. It's not going to make me happy. I'm just going to be chasing the carrot like like a like a rabbit who's chasing a carrot that's on a stick. I'm just going to be chasing it over and over and over if I'm wanting something to make me happy. Yeah, that sounds really that resonates with me. Um, you know, I had my book out last year and I had the same kind of experience, honestly. Like I didn't think I didn't think my book was about self-validation, and I thought I'm just I'm just happy this is being published and this is great. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, I realised that there was a part of me that wasn't that wasn't okay with with it just having a book published. Um, <laughs> so that's a nor- I think that's a normal thing. But obviously, when you've got mental illness, it's exacerbated. It it kind of it's it blown is. up. You know, it, it's um um yeah. I mean, did write, actually writing the the stuff itself, writing the material, was that cathartic in any way, or or not? Yeah, um, it definitely was because I could be honest. Um, I didn't I didn't have to um, I didn't have to hide things. I didn't have to shield things. I didn't have to do the whole thing of somebody says, "How's your day?" and I just go fine and walk on. Mm. Um, I could actually be honest and upfront about it. And tell my story. Um, when I was first diagnosed, my dad kind of pulled the whole spiritual card on me a little bit. Of like, I don't know if you really need that diagnosis. You just need Jesus. Not in those mm. words, but that was kind of the sentiment. Mm. 
but since I've been writing, he understands my story better. Right. And since he understands my story, he's like, okay, I, I get this. This is real. This is something that you live with. And he started recommending me to other people, to, to people who have teenagers that are feeling depressed so they can hear my story and, and know that it's not all hopeless. Um, oh, wow. So it's been great to be honest. That part has been cathartic because I don't feel like I have to hide anymore. I don't feel like I have to um, keep this part of me like locked away in my own little mm-hmm. asylum in my head or anything like that. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I get to be honest and upfront about it and own it, and it takes away the shame in my life. Like in my Twitter bio, I say I'm diagnosed with bipolar. People can't shame me of that. They can't be like, oh, look, look at the crazy guy. I'm like, okay, I own it. This is my mental illness. This is my condition. Yeah. You can't shame me for it. You you can't – I don't – you can't stigmatize me because I own it. It's mine. So writing the stuff has really helped me that way. It's also helped me process what it means to live with mental illness I'm I'm kind of a verbal processor, and so there there's that famous quote that says, um, "I don't know what I think until I write it," mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of how I operate sometimes. So it's also helped me process what it means to be a father with mental illness, um, to be a Christian with mental illness, to be just a person with mental illness. It's helped me sort of process that stuff and learn like how I can live the best I can and how I can live as stable as I can with mental illness. So Mm. writing has really been part of my therapy is what I say. That's, that's awesome. That's been my experience as well. And I always say this to people that writing is such a, is such an important thing and being creating things, you know, and sharing your story, um, can be so important to the healing process. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is it is and it's also helped me be <clears throat> excuse me it's also helped me because um a lot of people have said me too this is my experience as well so i don't feel so alone mm. i don't feel like i'm doing this by myself that i'm the only one who experiences this it it, it, it helped it's helped me find a community of people that share their stories, that want to share their stories, that simply say, I, I know what you mean. Um, and finding a community like that has been really important for me. So uh, that's been another blessing from, from writing from that, that's come out of um, blogging about this and putting together a book and all that. Mm, sounds awesome. Um, so just to kind of draw it, to a close, I mean, uh, if there was some, if you could offer one word of solidarity or support um, or hope to kind of others who are in the same position as you, maybe have a different diagnosis, but maybe have the same one, but people who are struck, who are facing challenges of mental illness, living with mental illness, mm-hmm. um, what would what would you want to say to them? Um, I say, I kind of say this a lot when people ask me about mental illness, but I say mental illness is something we live with. Mental health is what we strive for. 
And the reason I think that's hopeful is because it says we live with a condition, but the condition doesn't get the last word. Uh, we get to strive for mental health. We, we, we get to try for stability. And as long as we don't give up the journey, as long as we don't give up the, the fight, mental illness doesn't get the last word. Um, it, it doesn't have to be a death sentence. It doesn't have to be something that consumes you, that destroys everything. It can be just a part of your life that you live with, just like chronic skin condition, just like chronic bronchitis. I mean, well, I mean, whatever, whatever illness, um, it's just something that we live with. It's not something that has to, like I said, it just doesn't get the final word. We don't have to give into it. That's, that's really what I want people to know. That's really what I want people to walk away from this with is, have compassion for other people because they're going through God knows what. But if you're going through it, it doesn't win. It doesn't have to win. Times change. Seasons change. Your life can change. Not in some miraculous, like, oh, I feel great and I'm happy and smiley all the time way. But just in the way of stability and just in the way of learning to live with it and to balance mental illness in your life, it can be done. It's something that we can live a long and, and fruitful life with. I, I, I think that I think that's kind of what I want people to know if they're in my in my position. That's amazing. That's that's really inspiring. That I think that's a perfect way to end. Um, um, thank you for coming on the show. Really. <laughs> I appreciate you coming on. It's been really amazing. No, absolutely. I've really enjoyed it, James. I've really enjoyed talking to you and uh, thinking out loud. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, um, you know, if you ever want to come back, you're, you're always welcome to come back. It's um, uh, oh, Awesome. Great. I, I definitely will. I'll definitely come back. Um, because I think we've got loads to talk about. So. Um, yeah. Um, so, uh, people want to find you. Where do they find your work and Twitter and all of that? You uh, can find me at culturalsavage.com, all one word. Um, on Twitter, I'm Cultural Savage as well. Um, I just named the book after my blog, so you can find it on Amazon at Cultural Savage. Um, Facebook slash facebook.com slash cultural savage will get you my writing page. Um, pretty much if you search the internet for cultural savage, I'll pop up. So uh, yeah. if you want to find me, just look under those terms. Great. Awesome. Well, yes, go and buy that book, everyone. Um, cultural savage, it's called. Um, and uh, it's an awesome book. And um, yeah. So thank you again, Aaron. And uh, take care, everyone. And uh, talk soon.